Right. I'm glad to be here. Somebody said, when you get as old as me, you're glad to be anywhere. But praise God. I'm glad to be in a camp meeting. Not a cramp meeting, but a camp meeting. And it's a blessing to see you here. Somebody said six drops of rain will keep 19 Baptists at home. Boy, think of the crowd that had the rain tonight. Amen? Well, we're glad you're here. And I praise God for this great church and for all of the workers of this camp meeting. It's a real blessing to be with such people. That's my crowd. Years ago, I started out with the old-fashioned crowd. And I've never wanted to be with anybody except old-fashioned preachers. You know, a lot of people want to rise high and be notable among men. Well, I just want to be an old-fashioned preacher that stands true to the Bible and the blood and the blessed hope. And we're glad that you're here tonight. Take your Bible tonight. If you have your Bible, we're going to look quickly at First Samuel. Old Hinkle Little used to say, if you believe God's dead, read First and Second Samuel. And uh, this First Samuel chapter 18, we're going to read just a few uh, verses. And then I want to bring you a message tonight. I trust I'll help you and be a blessing in days to come. I'm going to speak to you. I had a Nazarene friend, a real close friend. His name was G.T. Spear. He used to sing in our meetings. My wife's here and she remembers. Old Dad Spear. Boy, he'd get in the Holy Ghost and get to singing. I'm telling you. He can sing. But one night he told me, he said, Brother Mays, when I was a young man, I lived in Sand Mountain, Alabama, Boaz. And he said, I had a real friend, I thought. And he said, uh, that friend let me down. But he said, I met another man, and he proved to be a real friend. In fact, he said he'd give me money to help me buy gas to go to meetings. He said, times were hard. And the only place, he said, I wanted to go was the house of God. And he said, that man died. And they asked me and my family to sing. He said, we sang and got home that night. He said, I was sitting in the living room, a little four-room house. And he said, uh, my wife said, GT, there's a real friend that you sang at his funeral today and we was there. Oh, he said he got to crying. And he said he was, but I want to tell you, he said about another one. When I was a little toe-headed, barefooted boy, one night I ran down to an old-fashioned brush harbor altar, got on my knees and met the dearest friend that I've ever had. And he said he wrote the song, The Dearest Friend I've Ever Had. Now, the best thing they ever said about Jesus, you say, what did they say? They said many things. Some bad things and call him a blasphemer and a gluttonous man. But the best thing they ever said about him, he's a friend of sinners. Praise God. That's the best thing. I'm glad he was a friend. Brother, if he hadn't been a friend of sinners, we wouldn't be here tonight. And in a moment, I'm going to take from this scripture and speak to you about two men that were friends. They were real friends. And I believe that if you'll pray, God will speak to our hearts. He's gone up the road a while ago, and I missed the road, and my wife said, How you doing? I said, I don't even know where John 3.16 is in the Bible. Now I lost everything. But praise God, you pray, and I believe God will help us. Let's stand for the reading of the Word of God, if you will. First Samuel chapter 18. And it came to pass, made it in the speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit 
with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now let me stop there. He'll repeat that in just a moment. I'd like to love Jesus like I love my own soul. I'd love for you to go out of this camp meeting loving the Lord like you love your own soul. Now notice what he said in verse 2. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more to the home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because, listen, he loved him as his own soul. Daddy is trying to kill him. But he said, I want to tell you something. I'll be your friend. I'm glad, friend. You don't have five real friends. Are you listening to me tonight? You don't have five real friends. If you have five real friends, you better be shouting the victory and praising the Lord. Notice what the Bible said. Verse 4, And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, and gave it to David and his garments, and his bow, and to his girdle. That's reading to you four verses of Scripture here. Concerning Jonathan and David, they were real friends. And I believe if you'll pray tonight, God will speak to you, and you'll be glad that you met the Lord Jesus. Would you be seated all over the house? Bow your head for prayer, Father. I want to thank you tonight for every blessing you blessed us with. What a privilege it is to come back here to people's and to stand where no man can stand alone. Our Father, we thank you tonight that you bless this church and this good pastor. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And then we thank you for this camp meeting. May it be a time that will stir and excite us and get us ready for the cold winter and then the spring and the summer and the fall that this might be the greatest year that we've ever had. Thank you now, Lord, for every blessing. And we'll praise you and we'll thank you, Lord, because we love you and you first loved us in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Beloved, I want you to look this way. For a few minutes, I want to speak on the dearest friend I ever had. What a blessing it is to go back and think about the time that Jesus came and reached down and saved you and has blessed you all these years. I go to hear some preachers preach and they gripe and they talk about what a hard time they've had. I want to tell you I've had the best time I've ever had since I've been saved. Praise God, it's wonderful to be saved. It's wonderful to know such a friend. And when you know the Lord Jesus, He'll be your dearest friend. What a blessing. And when you come to Jonathan and David, what a type. The Scripture says about three or four things, and then I'll get in the message. First of all, said he loved him as his own soul. When the hands of judgment and the hands of Saul were pursuing little Jonathan, I want to tell you, and David, little old Jonathan slipped up in that swamp, put his arm around David and said, Daddy wants to kill you and Daddy hates you, but I'll be your friend to the end. And the scripture said they made a covenant and they met, they didn't break that covenant. What a blessing it is. And you know what the Lord did for those two men? He knitted their souls together. Oh, I'm glad down life's pathway, God let some of my brethren knit our souls together. And what a blessing it is to have such friends. But the Bible says, not only that, it says in Proverbs 17 and verse 17 
a friend loveth at all times. Brother, he'll love you when you're down. He'll love you when you're up. And I know the Lord Jesus. And thank God he's always loved me. I haven't always been what I should have been. But he's always stood by my side. He's always been there when I needed him. He's been a real friend. And the Bible says in the next chapter, chapter 18, verse 24, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I'm glad I know a friend tonight. And he sticks closer than a brother. What a blessing it is to know somebody that won't let you down. Someone that will stick in there closer than your own flesh and blood brother. But there are three keys that open up the study of Jonathan and David. And I'm going to give you those three keys tonight. Real friendship and real Christian love, first of all, has to be realized. Number two, it has to be revealed. And number three, it'll be rewarded. Somebody said, Preacher, I've never gotten much since I've been saved. I've had too much. Oh, he's always been there. And to give us too much, I want to tell you, he's El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. He'll give you too much if you're not careful. And sometimes when he gives us too much, we forget from which cometh our help. We forget how to be humble. We forget how to pray. We forget how to fall down before him. But what a blessing. First of all, real friendship and love has to be realized. My wife's back here and... And I met her while she had to realize after a while that we were sweethearts and then one day we'd get married. But I had to persuade her a long time. She used to work in the bank and I used to hang around so much they thought I was vice president of the bank over there. Somebody said, why, Brother Mays? I remember one night I went in or one afternoon and I said to her, I want you to go with me to Winsboro. I'm going to preach it to Calvary Baptist Church. And she looked at me and you know what she said? I got my church. I said, well, bless God, go on to your church then. I'm going up there and have me a time. You see, she had never been in a church where a preacher cut wagon wheels and ran across the back of the pews. And somebody said, did you ever do that? I sure did. And I'd do it now if I wasn't so old and, and listen, so fat. I might cut a few flips right here and there. I'm not ashamed to do it. I'm not like somebody... Oh, that I met the other day. And he said, I learn better. Mister, I never want to learn better. I'll tell you, I want to praise him for the blessing. But one day I said to Doc, I said, will you marry me? And she said, I told you I wouldn't marry a preacher, a doctor, or a lawyer. And I preached that night and she heard me going home. She said, I believe I'll marry you. I said, I thought you said you wouldn't marry me because I was a preacher. She said, after that, you're not preaching enough to her. Praise God. And I, we got married. And the blessings that came. Oh, you say, but she had to realize it. And I had to realize it. And real friendship and love must be realized. Did you know that Jonathan knew the exact time when David won his heart in friendship? Jonathan knew the exact time. You say, when? Well, he found it out in the nature of David's coming. You see, uh, uh, David did not come in a chariot and a big band and a great big commotion parade. Thank God he came as a lowly shepherd boy. And I'm glad when I think about my friend Jesus. 
Oh, the nature of His coming. He didn't come into this world with a scepter in His hand and a crown upon His head. He came through a lowly barn door, through the virgin's wound. He was there because there was no room for Him in the end. And mister, they still don't have room for the Son of God. Many of our churches have crowned had him out and said, we don't want Jesus. But thank God I'm glad by the nature of his coming that day when Mary took that little babe in her arms. Oh, Emmanuel, God with us. You say, Brother Mays, he came as a lowly baby. And oh, the world had nothing to offer him but heavenly hosts said, rejoice. Fear not thee, for that which is born today is the son of David. And they rejoice, but the nature of his coming, I love him because he came that way. A rich man would say, well, he came the way I came. Born in a hospital, born in luxury and majesty. No, they laid him in a manger bed. The nature of his coming. Secondly, the nature My friend of his character, there's never been anybody like him. Oh, the nature of his character. Now watch this. Here's Samuel. He goes over to Jesse's house. And when he gets there, he said, I want a young man that I can crown uh, to be the king over Israel. And he brought seven sons out. Boy, they were handsome and haughty, high-minded. And old Samuel walked by and said, you're out. You're out. You're out. We don't need you. And he looked over at, at Jesse and said, is there yet another? And he said, yeah, a little boy out here in a cow pasture, out here feeding sheep. I got one more. He's lowly. Oh, and he said, bring him in. Fetch him here. And the scripture said, Samuel anointed David with fresh oil. Now, I want to tell you something, mister. There wasn't a scab on him. There wasn't a blemish on David. But I got something better to tell you than that. The Lamb of God came into this world. There wasn't anything they could find wrong with him. He didn't have a scab. He didn't have a blemish. And when Pilate examined him with an evil eye, he had to throw up his hands and say, I find no fault with him. You'll find fault with the preacher. You'll find fault with the deacons. You'll find fault with the choir. But I want you to know tonight, you'll never find fault with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm glad He came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, shed His blood. On the third day, He got up, praise God. Forty days later, He stepped on a cloud and was carried into glory. And no one's ever found fault with Him. They said many bad things about Him. But I want to talk about the good thing. Nothing about His character. Oh, isn't that a blessing? No fault could they find. Thirdly, he had that affection because of the nature of his conquest. Boy, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, there were two big hills, two big mountains. And down in the middle of those mountains was a dark valley called Death or Elah. And the Bible says little old David came skipping over the hills to bring lunch to his brothers. And he looked down in the valley and there was a type of the Antichrist. Old Goliath was nine feet and six inches tall. He had six fingers on this hand. He had six fingers on that hand. He had six toes on this foot. 
and six toes on that foot. You know why? It was the number of man. And he was a type of the Antichrist. And he challenged Israel and said, Give me a man. I'm glad little old David came skipping over that hill, looked at his uh, bosses, and he said, Saul, King Saul, why don't you fight that old guy down there? Oh, he shook in his boots. And he said to every one of them, Who will go? And old David said, Bless God, I killed a bear, and I killed a lion, and I'll go down and take care of that bird. I want you to know little old David went down into the creek bed and he picked out five smooth stones. Somebody said, why five? Five's the number of grace. And brother, you'll never lick the devil unless you can get it by grace. And he took five smooth stones, walked out in that valley, and that old giant said, who are you, little fella? Oh, he said, I can tear you apart. And little old David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And the people watched as David went down in the valley of death, down in the valley of darkness. And when he came out, you know what he had in his hand? He went down that valley. I believe he went around three times. One for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Ghost. And he let that rock loose, hit him in the forehead, cut off his head and came out singing victory in the Lord. Brother, that's where your victory lies. It lies in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our victory is through Him. Thank God for the victory we have tonight in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I got something better than David down there. 1900 years ago, I'm glad my Savior, my friend, the Lord Jesus Christ, went down in the valley of death. Thank God He came back and He said, I am He that was dead, but am alive forevermore. He went down in that valley of darkness in that valley of death. And thank God when he came out, he came out victorious over sin and death and the, and hell. Oh, the great nature of his conquest. And old Jonathan said, that's him. Boy, that's him. I know that's him. If you ever see Jesus, you'll say, that's him. They used to sing a song up in the mountains. If you meet a stranger on the Jericho Road, that's him. And praise the Lord, you'll know that that's him. What a blessing it is to know him and to praise him. Not only must our friendship and love be realized, but it must be revealed. You say, how can we reveal it? Only one way, and that's to give. Now, when you start talking about giving, Baptists cramp up and they say he's preaching about money. I preach up in West Virginia as much as I can. And I have a friend up there, a coal miner, a lay preacher. And he prayed the best prayer one night I ever heard about an offering. I was in this little bitty church and it's just packed. And the preacher said, old Jesse's here from down, uh, from down Five Horse. He's a friend of Mays. And he said, Jess, I want you to pray. We're going to take an offering for Brother Mays and our church is small. I never will forget how he prayed. He said, dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you gave the greatest gift of all. You gave us the unspeakable gift, the Lord Jesus Christ. You robbed heaven for us. And God, I want to thank you for all you've given us. And then he said, Lord, I want you to bless everybody here in this church tonight that's got an offering and will give it. And then he prayed, Lord, I want you to bless everybody in this church that doesn't have an offering, but if they had it, they'd give it. And then he ended like this, and I couldn't hardly preach when he got through. You know what he said at the end of his prayer? He said, this outfit here tonight, 
that's got it and won't give, don't bless them a lick in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to tell you something. You say, preacher, that's right. Amen. I'll tell you, we need to realize that God gave everything. You say, is it proved by love? Listen, for God so loved the world, so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son. My Bible said Christ loved the church and gave Himself for the church. Paul the Apostle said Christ loved me and gave Himself for me. It'll make you give. And you know how Jonathan gave to David? He went to David and bowed at his feet. And he said, I want to give you something as a friend. And first of all, he took off his robe. I read that to you. And he threw his robe down at uh, David's feet. You know what he said by throwing that robe down there? He said, that's, that's my position. You must increase and I must decrease. Uh, you know what's wrong with us in our meetings today? We get up and brag about this and brag about that. And we don't lift up the Son of God. And John the Baptist said he must increase. And we must decrease. And we should do that. You know what David said? He said, you want, want me to put on that, Jonathan? He said, by the law, you're the next king of Israel. And you want me to put that robe on? And little old Jonathan looked him in the face and said, yes. I know God, and God wants you to be the king. And when you put on my robe, they won't see me. They'll see you in my robe. Brother, when you ride down the road or walk down the street, do they see you or see Jesus? He said, I want them to see you. I want them to know that you're the one and not me. Not only did he give that robe, second thing, he gave his garments. He gave his garments, that's... First of all, that was his position when he gave the robe. Secondly, he gave his position. All he had, he gave his garments. Boy, he took off his garments and laid them at David's feet. Uh, you know, when you'll get real victory and shout glory, when you give it all to Jesus. Uh, and brother, a camp meeting's a good time to give it all to the Lord Jesus and let Jesus have it all. Praise God in the Lamb forever. And I see him as he throws his garments down. I was over Brother Raph Sexton Sr. years ago in a jubilee. Brother uh, Kelly remembers this woman. Called her Ma. And boy, she didn't have much money. And I remember she got up one time in the meeting and she said, you know, I'm, I'm going to get a new set of teeth. But said, God spoke to me a while ago and told me to give that money and he'd take care of the teeth. And I saw her walk down and give that little precious amount of money. And then another year I was there and she said, Preacher, I've got a selfish daughter. Only one I've got left. She said, I've already given her what I'm going to give her. I've got $714. She said, I've told Brother Sexton, I want him to have half of it and you the other half. And I went to Ma and I said, I don't want it. Oh, she said, I ain't going to have no use for it. I'm going home and I want you to have it and preach the gospel with it. And boy, when she died, let me tell you something. I thought about this man, Jonathan. He gave his possessions. Oh, when we get to that place where we'll say, here it is, Lord. I want to give you everything I have. And he gave it to David. Third thing he gave was his sword. 
his sword, and that was his protector. You see, you say, preacher, I don't have a sword. Yes, you do. Somebody says something about your little girl, you'll grab that sword. Boy, you'll retaliate. Somebody says something about, you know, something you don't like, you'll grab that sword. And brother, you can come to church and the preacher get on your toes. You know what? You'll get mad and grab that sword. But you know what little old Jonathan did? He said, I'm, I'm going to let you be my protector. I'm going to throw this down at your feet. You'll be my sword. You'll be my shield. I'm glad I know the Lord Jesus. And He's my sword. And He's my shield. And thank God, I'm glad He's my protector. What a blessing it is to give your position and your possessions and your protector unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only do you reveal it, and you must realize it, but here's the last thing, and I like this best. Say what, preacher? Jonathan was rewarded. David rewarded Jonathan. You know what David did when he first came to be king? They crowned him. He said to all Israel, not just part, but to all Israel, come. I want you to see my friend. His name is Jonathan. He said, I, I confess to you, he's my friend. He wasn't ashamed of him. He said, you can stick up your nose if you want to. But when I was in that swamp patch under, and the hounds of Saul were there hounding me down, Jonathan came to me and said, don't worry, I'll be a friend. And war after war, and David was in 18 wars, 13 for Israel, 4 for himself, and 1, my friend, for others. And here is David, he said, I want you to go get Jonathan, and I want all Israel, I'm confessing him, that's going to be your reward. Boy, when I get to heaven, all I want in rewards to hear Jesus say, come on in, enter thou in. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. I'd rather him to confess that than anything I know. My daddy's been de dead 25 years. And if I stand up here tonight and that door open, I'd say to this brother, go back and bring my dad down. I want him to see I'm not ashamed. My daddy helped me. My daddy worked when I couldn't work. My daddy prayed when I couldn't pray. My daddy went to church. And I'd have him to lead him down here and I'd say, sit down there, daddy, till I finish this sermon. I want them to know I'm not ashamed of you. And then, my mother's been dead about 21 years. And if that door had opened, I'd say to this brother, go back there. There's my mother. Bring her down here. I want people to know that I confess that she was an old-fashioned mountain mother that believed in prayer, believed in the Bible, believed in the house of God. But if that door opened back there tonight and my Savior would step in that door, raise the nail-printed hand, I'd say, keep your seat, mister. Keep your seat, mister. I'd jump off of this rostrum, run back and grab him by the hand, put my arm around his neck, and I'd lead him down that aisle and I'd say, he's mine. And I'm his, praise God. And I'm not ashamed to acknowledge the Son of God. I want you to know, mister, it's a blessing. You know what this book said? If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. I'll be ashamed of you. Now, my wife back there don't shout. And I remember a fellow walking up to me one day and he said, Maze, I'm going to give you $50. I don't want you to buy shoes with it and I want you to put on that old broadcast. But I want you to take Dot to the nicest place in Atlanta for a meal. 
And so when we first got there, man, that place was full. I said, yeah. And she said, well, we can't get a seat. I said, let me holler real loud. Praise God. I said, they'll have a, we'll have a place to lie down because they'll run. Then finally the lady said, you have the seat here. We went up there and sat down and boy, I was going to be so bold. I said, Dot, you know what I'm good mind to do? And she said, what? I said, I'm good mind to jump up on this table, kick my leg out and holler glory to God and the Lamb forever. And you know, I thought she'd say, no, Maze, please don't do it in here. And she looked across that table and said, I dare you. Oh, Lord. I mean, she said, I dare you. Now, if you don't believe this is so, you ask her. It took me 20 minutes to prove to her I shouldn't do it that night in that restaurant. But listen, many times we're ashamed. We're ashamed to let people know where we stand. We're ashamed to shout hallelujah. We're ashamed to praise the Lord. Shame, you know, people, a good preacher asked me the other day to come preach in his church and he runs over 3,000 in Sunday school. Most preachers clap their hands and listen, this is a good man I'm talking about. This is an humble man. But I know preachers, boy, if they could say they preached in that church. And I was honest with him. I said, now you know I believe in old-fashioned shouting. And I said, if, uh, if I can get enough God on me, I'll holler a couple of times in your church. He said, if you do, I'll holler behind you, whether it's in the Spirit or not. So I went to that church, and we had a good time. And he said to me, tears streaming down his cheeks, he said, Maze, I ought to be in this big old church. I ought to have a little church out here with a hundred in Sunday school. I said, that's the reason God put you here. That's the reason God let you pastor this great church, because He saw that you were humble and that you wouldn't take glory for yourself and you wouldn't run. Most evangelists, they get up, they have a little program. They want to tell you about everything that's happening in the whole year and it takes 15 minutes for them to tell you. Now, I didn't tell you, but I'm going to tell you. I got a little report I want to give you. You say, what kind of report? This is my report. I'm glad I've just heard from heaven and it's all right now. And praise the Lord, that's the kind of report that I want to give when I stand up. I want to let people know that he's my friend, the dearest friend they ever had. And first of all, he rewarded him by confessing him before all Israel. Secondly, he crowned him not. When David crowned his mighty men, he said, not you, not you, Jonathan. You know why? Second Samuel chapter 1 says, Jonathan went back to the enemies of David. And Jonathan went back to war and left the man of peace. And he was killed with the sword. That's pitiful. And, jo and Jonathan was there and he said, I want to tell you, you always loved me. He said, I still love you. But I'm not going to crown you as one of the mighty men because you picked up that sword, and you went back to the enemy. Boy, I've tried for nearly 51 years to go down the old path of the old-fashioned way. I've had people that say to me, Brother Mays, a crowd said to me not so long ago, it's pitiful. Boy, we'd like to use you in the biggest Bible conferences in America. But that crowd that follows you shout too much. And I said, well, Brother Honey, I said, I want you to know I want that crowd to follow me. Amen. And they came back another night, a whole bunch of them sat on a row over there. And I said, God, if you've ever let this crowd shout, let them pull the roof down with so much glory tonight. And they shouted and ran the aisles. And that crowd got up, the, those preachers that wanted me 
and I haven't seen them since, and I haven't taken an aspirin worrying about it. Bless God, if they don't like old-time religion, and if they don't like old-fashioned worship, and if they don't like the Spirit of God moving, I don't want to be in their conferences. I don't want to be in their... Boy, I'd rather be out here in a brush harbor where I can shout the victory and praise God and enjoy the blessing. But David said, I can't. I can't crown you, Jonathan. You went back and picked up the sword. Now last... But after Jonathan died in, in battle, Second Samuel chapter 1, old David said in a conference, he said, Is there yet any in the household of Saul that I may be kind for Jonathan's sake? Boy, I want to tell you the no reason I'm going to heaven is for Jesus' sake. I'm glad it's for Jesus' sake. This church has been blessed. It's for Jesus' sake we've had a good time in the Lord. And he said, uh, is that you back there? And Ziba stood up and said, Your Majesty, in a land far away, in a place called Lodibar, the place of no bread, the barren place, uh, there's a young man that's crippled on both feet. And you know who his daddy is, David? He said, Jonathan. Didn't take David five seconds. He said, go fetch him and bring him here. I'm going to let him sit at my table. Praise God. When I was crippled and lost and I was a nobody in the land of Lodi Barzeba, the Holy Ghost came and found me and thank God put his arms around me and brought me to the king's table. And I've been eating ever since from the king's table. I've been enjoying the blessings of the Lord at the king's table. Did you see that picture? You remember when Saul was crowned king? Boy, they had battles and little old Jonathan had a little old baby boy. And the matron or whoever it was there grabbed him up and started out the door to hide him from being killed. He was in the lineage of the king. And she took him and she dropped him. And that little boy's feet became twisted. And those feet that he had... He became crippled on. And she took him to a land where nobody could find him. She probably said several times, Hey, hey, Mephibosheth, hey, Mephibosheth, you don't have to worry. I'm going to hide you. The king ain't going to find you. You're going to be safe. I'm glad the Holy Ghost hid me in Christ. And I'm not worried about it tonight. Praise the Lord. I'm just praising God, shouting the victory. You know what I believe? She put him there in loaded bar. And old Ziba said to David, I'll go and bring him hither. And he went many a mile and finally came to a little old signpost that said, loaded bar. Nobody's happy here. Let me tell you, mister, if you're in loaded bar tonight, you're not happy. You may hypocrite and make out like you're happy, but if you're not leaving loaded bar, you're not happy tonight. It's a barren land. It's a land of no bread. It's a land of no friends. And I see Zeba when he comes and says, Lodibar, the birds don't sing here. Lodibar, the sun doesn't shine. Boy, I'm glad I'm walking in the sunlight of God's love and His blessings, mister. And old Zeba walked down the street and he knew exactly where he's going. That'll put some of you in the valley, but he knew where he was going. Boy, he didn't go in there by chance. He knew where he was going. When he came for me, he knew where he was going. Oh, and he picked me up and he saved me by his grace. Now watch this. I want to show you something. And he came before little old 
shanty. A lot of people said, I've got to have a big house. I hope you got one ten blocks long if you put God first. And if you don't put God first, I hope an earthquake like hit out yonder afternoon hits that place, bless God, and puts it right on the ground. You have no right to the blessing of a beautiful home unless you put God first. And listen, I've never been jealous. Boy, when God blesses preachers, I rejoice. I say, thank the Lord for those men that have been true and preached the gospel and been what they should have been. Well, let me give you something. And I see, oh, Mephibosheth as he pulls himself up at the window. He said, wonder what that nice looking man is stopping at my house for. And I believe he crawled back in that room and got down in the darkness. And Zeba came and Zeba said, Mephibosheth, I've come after you. And boy, I believe that old boy with the trembling voice said, here I am. I'm Mephibosheth. He said, I know it. You're the son of Jonathan and the king over at Jerusalem called David wants to reward you, give you back everything your daddy had. He wants to let you sit at his table. That old boy said, I'm crippled. I can't walk. And he said, don't worry about it. He reached down, scooped that young man in his arms and started down the road. And boy, I believe every once in a while, Miss Phibiseth said, why? He said, because of Jonathan, your father's sake. Boy, every once in a while, I look back, Billy, and I say, God, why'd you save me? He said, Jesus, uh, for Jesus' sake, brother, that's why he saved me. That's why he saved you, mister. It's for Jesus' sake. When he brings that little crippled boy and sits him down, David said, pick him up and put him right there at the head of the table. And said, cover up those old lame feet. I want him to have the glory of his father. Boy, I'll tell you, I believe old David went over and kissed him on the cheek and said, Mephibosheth, all this is yours for your daddy's sake, Jonathan. One day when I preached my last sermon and I prayed my last prayer, I'm glad I'm going home to see my father and I'm going to sit down at his table. And when I sit down at his table, you know what he's going to say? For Jesus' sake. Praise God. For the Lord Jesus' sake. But he's that friend. He'll stick closer than a brother. He's that friend. And he'll stick closer than a brother. Some of you heard me tell this. And I won't take but a minute. I won't hear Dr. Wright. But listen to me. I had a little friend down here at Villarica, Georgia. I mean a real friend. Boy, I, he was a precious friend. He's crippled. And I used to, I held... 32 revivals for Brother Guy Rainwater at Eastside. Some of you here tonight came every year when I was with Brother Guy. I never will forget that bring that little old boy in that wheelchair. And his name was Larry Broom. You know what he'd say to me? He'd say, Brother Mace, I'm your friend. And he said, every day at 10 o'clock on a big gun, I'd listen at you. And said, I want you to know, Brother Mace, I'll be your friend. He said, I can't send you much money. But said, I get a little ounce. And he said, every two weeks, as long as I live, I'll send you an offering. And boy, he was the sweetest thing. And then one time, we got behind on the bill. And I went to the man at WGUN. And I said, I'm not going to stay on here and not be able to pay this bill. Let me have a week off uh, to raise some money. He said, all right, we'll just play records. That little boy heard that. His daddy worked down at Bremen in the suit factory. 
And he called him and said, Daddy, come home. I need you. Brother Mays is on the radio. They had to, he had to leave because he didn't have any money. And boy, our little boy was waiting in that wheelchair and tears streaming down his cheeks. When his daddy opened the door, he said, fix that ramp and let me get down at that highway, the Tallapoosa Highway, and I'm going to stop every car and tell them I got a friend that needs money. And that little old boy, Larry Broom, pushed that button and went down to the Tallapoosa Highway. They was coming from New York and Ohio. They never heard of Mace Jackson. But that little old crippled boy raised that hand from him and say, Stop! And he said, every one of them stopped. They'd roll their glasses down. He'd say, I got a friend. Would you help me? And they said, sure. And he, when he got $25 in them little crippled legs, boy, he pushed that button and came back to the house and said, take me to the post office. And his daddy said, no, you can mail it tomorrow. He said, no, Brother Mays needs it now. And boy, he was a real friend. And I remember when he came to his last few days of his life for months, I was preaching over the east side. I looked up and here comes old Larry in that little, uh, you know, that little wheelchair. And I said, hey, Larry. He said, brother, I want to tell you something. I said, tell me. He said, when I get to heaven, we're going to have a race around the tree of life. And I said, well, honey, you ain't going to win. Oh, he said, yes, I am. He said, I ain't never had no legs. And when I get my new ones, I'm going to leave you in the gold dust. Boy, that's a blessing. And he said, I'm your friend. He said to this to me. He said, I haven't missed a broadcast in eight years. He said, if you've got anybody in your family, including your children, your wife, or anybody else, that can say six days a week they heard you for eight years. And I said, no, Larry. He said, you've got one friend that'll be there when you come on the air. Then I had to go to Pennsylvania for a meeting. While I was up there, they called my wife. The old Larry had to call 919. They came to his house to pick him up, take him to the hospital. He was dying. And he said, Mama, Mama, behind that clock is $2 for Brother Mays. After the funeral, mail it, Mama. Because I told Brother Mays something in that letter. And boy, I want to tell you, after that funeral, listen to me. I got that letter. Had those $2 in it. And he said, Brother Mays, thank God for my friend. Boy, I just cried. And when I got off that airplane, next day I went down to Billerica, Georgia. I stood there by that grave and I said, Lord, I thank you for that little friend. But oh, let me tell you something tonight. I thank God for the dearest friend I ever had, the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's the dearest friend I ever had. Now, bow your heads all over the house. Dearest friend, Jonathan was a real friend to David. Brother, there wasn't any, there wasn't any question about that. He was a real friend. He realized it. He revealed it. And he was rewarded for it. Friend, if you'll be a friend of Jesus, you'll be rewarded. Do you know that? Thank God. Not of this world, maybe. But you'll be rewarded one day when he says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. Didn't have much down there, but, but I, I'm going to give you abundant entrance. And I want you to enter thou into all the joys of heaven. 
What a day that's going to be. And will you be able to hear him say, He is my friend. Father, I want to thank you tonight that he's the dearest friend I've ever known. Never did in my life, never have in my life, found a friend like Jesus. Thank God he loves me. He watches over me. He's never failed me. He's been there when I needed him. Thank you, Lord. Then I thank you for the friends here in this church and the preacher friends. I thank you for every friend. But, oh, God, help me always to magnify thee, friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, there may be somebody here tonight. They may be on drugs. They may be in deep sin. They may feel like, what's the use? I've tried everything. Lord, they haven't tried the real friend. I'm glad you can pick them up out of the muck and the mire and you can save them and give them a new life and turn them around again. I pray in Jesus' name you'll speak to every heart. Lord, don't let a soul leave this camp meeting this week until every soul can say, I know whom I believed. Thank God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. God bless your hearts. All right.